Come on, somebody. How many of you believe the name of Jesus can do anything? Amen. How many of y'all believe he can help Pastor Dwayne preach a 45-minute sermon in 25? That's, that, that was not the response I was hoping for, but here we go. I sent Angie Clint a, a text message this past week. I said, I think you guys are going to like my subtitle. Here it is. There's no life like new life. See, this, this book, the book of Ephesians, that's what it's all about, y'all. And, and here's my heart this morning. It's, listen, there's, there's value in joining a church. There's value in getting plugged in with a small group. There's value in those things, and I believe in those things. But here's what, here's what I'm concerned about, that all across our nation, we've got church members and small group leaders that haven't put on new life. Because I'm going to tell you that coming to church is not enough. And this, in the book of Ephesians, and I've been so happy, so many of you have come up to me and said, man, I, I've, I've read the whole book of Ephesians, where I'm reading it again, I, please do that, continue to do that through the rest of this series. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 4. So if you got your Bible, something with Bible on it, I want you to find that, put your thumb on it, and because and, I can't read the whole chapter, we, we just don't have time. But I do want you to hear this, this passage, Ephesians 4, 24, listen to this. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature. Look at somebody and say, you need a new nature. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. The truth is we all need a new nature. Guess what? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Not a person in this room has measured up. To God's standard, not one of us. Every one of us needs a brand new nature. And that's what this book has all been about. In fact, in chapter 4, Paul starts off like this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. He starts off by saying, therefore, and I've taught you, when you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, what's it? What's it there for? And so here's what you're going to do. Before you... Before you pay attention to chapter 4, you got to look backwards. See, we talked about in the very first week, we said that all of Ephesians talks about Christ being recon Christ reconciling humanity to God, that Christ uniting people from all nations to himself. And, and, and the third thing I told you was that Christians ought to live like new people. Like new people. N listen, Jesus, eyeballs right here. Jesus did not die so you could have a fixed up, repaired, modified version of your old self. Jesus died to make you a brand new creature. And we ought to live like it. We ought to live like new people. We too, we said that Christ was calling his followers to a higher standard of living. And sometimes people hear preachers say things like that, and they think, well, yeah, I need a bigger house, and I need a bigger car, and I need, I need a little mow in my bank account. I need some dead presidents in my pocket. That's not what he's talking about. 
He's called us to a higher standard of living. This is what, are, are you loving people more than somebody that doesn't know Christ is loving people? Are you more generous than somebody that doesn't know, know Christ? In your life, are you exhibiting more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control than somebody far from God? See, Christ didn't come to make us better versions of our old self. Christ came to, to make us like Him. So here's the issue. Why is this chapter so important? Have you ever wondered? <laughs> no elbows and no pointing. Have you ever wondered why some people, maybe you, just never seem to get any traction in their walk with Christ? Some people are able to walk in victory over addiction and anxiety and depression and unforgiveness, and others just never get any traction. Why is that? You ever wonder why some people develop a genuine love for humanity and other people not so much? Why is that? Why are some Christians continually living in gossip and slander and drama and disunity and division? Chapter 4 talks to us about that. Pay attention to this passage. Ephesians chapter 4 the third and the fourth verse says this. Make every effort. You know, that if you do a Greek word study on that word every, you know what it means? Every. Every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Take a note, write this down. New life strives for unity in the body of Christ. Listen to me. Spiritual unity is essential in the body of Christ. And oh, by the way, watch the news. Get on social media, and here's what you're going to see. Nothing but disunity. I, I told you that I, I downloaded... TikTok, back when I was looking at the deconstruction movement. And you want to you get depressed about the state of the church? Go on TikTok. Any, any TikTokers in the room that are willing to admit it? None of the guys are going to admit it. I see you, though. Here's the problem. It, there's so much disunity. And, there's, and I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church, y'all. And, and, and I have this idea that the enemy sits back and smiles when he sees church people just fighting and, and just nailing each other over stuff that just doesn't matter. You ever, you ever notice there, there's some people in your life, maybe not in your life, probably in your life, that just like to keep the drama alive, just like to keep the strife stirred up? What? I'm going I'm to borrow something from week one. Stop it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. It's so critical. Why is spiritual unity so critical? Listen, because we're on the same team. Look, look at me. The Baptists and the Methodists and the Church of Christ and the Pentecostals, the Church of God and the Assembly of God, we're on the same team, y'all. We're on the same team. And there's one win. 
There's one win. It's heaven for as many people as possible. That's what the win is. And division happens when winning looks different for you than it looks for me. When I want the attention, when I want the platform, when I want the praise, when I want the credit, then only I get the win. Um, I'm a football guy. Any football people? Yes, yes, we're praying for some of you. One of the most, one of the most uh, colorful head coaches that's ever been in the NFL uh, was a guy by the name of Herm Edwards, and he coached the Kansas City Chiefs for a period of time. And he made this statement. He, he said, we got to make sure that the people on our team are playing for what's on the side of the helmet, not what's on the back of the jersey. Okay? Think about that. What's on the side of the helmet? The team logo. What's on the back of the jersey? Person's name. L- listen to me. We're, we're not playing for our glory. We're not in this game so we can get recognized. We're on, not in this game so we can get the credit. And the only way we're going to know spiritual unity in the church and in this church is when we recognize we're playing for the same team. <laughs> so what does that look like? Let's... let's let me break some of this down for you. The, the first thing I want you to understand is that Christ called you to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Jesus said, blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Your job and mine is to swallow our own stinking pride and bring peace. Now, now I, I, I get it. Some of you are going to say, well, you know, so this group or this person thinks differently than I think. They believe slightly different than I believe, and, and they don't vote like I vote. You don't have a blank for this, but you ought to write this down because this is gold. <laughs> Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. I can disagree with you, and we'll still be, be in unity. I can disagree with you and I'll still be on the same team. And, and our culture is telling us something entirely different. That if you disagree with me, then we're not on the same team. If you vote different than I vote, if you believe different than I believe, if, you, if you've got, you know, if, uh, and, the, and you know, we don't have time to, to break down uh, all the denominations across the planet. And, and there are some that, that listen, are, are, are teaching something that are very anti, anti-gospel, anti all right? But many are on the same team. Now, now they, they might not worship like we worship. They may not act like we act. They, they're probably not going to do what we did up here this morning. But here's what I believe. We're on the same team. If, if, if heaven is your goal and your, the gospel is your message, then we're on the same team. And so here's what we need to do. We need to make sure that even though we might think differently, we're on the same team. The people you go to church with, I'm going to just drop this bomb on you. You're not going to agree with everything that that somebody that's sitting next to you, maybe even right now, agrees with. You ready for something deep and profound? That's okay. It's okay. 
if, if we don't agree on every... Unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Did that make sense? I know I got... So here's a couple questions when disagreement comes. Here's a great question. Is the drama worth the division? And if it's not, let it go. Let it go. Um, Don and I went through a marriage book several years ago, and we teach it. And like when in premarital counseling and other marital counseling, we, it's, it's this book about uh, marriage, obviously, and it's called Love and Respect. It's a great book. You ought to pick it up. But there's this one thought that, that it brings out, and, and I'm going to bring it into the, the spiritual brothers and sisters arena. He said, and I agree with him, that typically the person who seeks reconciliation in a broken relationship, the person who seeks reconciliation is typically the most mature one. So how about let's, when, when there's division, somebody got to grow up, right? Man, it got quiet in here. Is, is the wound severe enough to sever the relationship? Is getting my way the right way? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this huge bomb on some of you. Your way ain't always the right way. Is my behavior building somebody up or tearing somebody down? Is my behavior, what I'm doing, even though I might be completely justified in doing it, is my behavior helping somebody move toward Jesus or am I dragging somebody away from him? Maybe, maybe what Paul is teaching us is that we got to learn to say no to ourselves sometimes. And we don't do that well, y'all. We, we, don't, we don't do that well. All right, let's go on. Ephesians 4, verse 7 says, However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And then he talks about them. In verse 11, he says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility, pay attention to this, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity into our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Pretty tall order, isn't it? Here's what, here's what the current culture in North American Christianity has created. A culture of rock star pastors and rock star worship leaders where we're quite comfortable to sit on our fannies and let them do it. Stop it. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're never supposed to be a spectator in this thing. What our job is, what my job is, is to help equip you along with the power of the Holy Spirit for the church to do the work of the ministry. Because I'm going to let you in on a big secret. Most ministry doesn't happen on a platform. You know where most ministry happens? 
in small groups, on coffee shops, in living room couches, on the telephone. That's where most ministry happens. Most ministry happens when somebody calls you and they're struggling. And you're like, how about I pray with you right now? You want to blow somebody's mind? So here's your, here's, your next, here's your next point. New life values contribution over consumption. That's a huge misconception in the church is that the people on the stage are the ones responsible for ministry. Can I tell you? Let, let me tell you what we've seen. It, it just doesn't work that way. You, you put a man on a pedestal, guess what's going to happen? He's going to fall. And we've created this consumeristic brand of Christianity, and it was never the intention. Can I tell you what consumerism looks like? Stick around here after church on any given Sunday, and you're going to see some families, usually mine, that starts having a discussion about where we're going to eat for lunch. Oh, my gosh. Just somebody pick a place. Don't, I'm, hey, I got the microphone. Y'all stop pointing your fingers at me. Because here's how the conversation will go. See if it's like this. Well, I, I want to make sure we get good, good food, okay? Good food. All right, we got to make sure we get good food. Uh, and, and let's make sure that it's, it's, we don't have to wait on it too long. Right? Is that, is that part of the conversation? Uh, let's also make sure that it's not going to break the bank, that it's, you know, it's, it's going to be reasonable. You know, we can get in and out of there without, you know, breaking the you know, grocery budget for the week, right? Oh, and it needs to be kind of, you know, located close because I've got to have my afternoon nap so I don't have to drive too far once we're done eating. <laughs> right? Is this, is this resonating with anybody? <laughs> and, and can I tell you, that's okay when you're talking about lunch. It's not okay when you're talking about your church. Because that's the mentality we've created in North American Christianity. It's like, I'll go to your church as long as you're taking care of me. As long as you're meeting my needs. As long as you're feeding me. As long as you're taking care of my kids. As long as you're entertaining me. We want the preacher to be wise and seasoned, but youthful and energetic. We want him to be relevant, but not too trendy. We want him to be spiritual, but down to earth. We want him to be funny, but profound. And most of all, we want him to make sure that he can do it in 30 minutes on Sunday morning. <laughs> and if anything stops meeting our obligations and our consumeristic mindset, guess what we're going to do? We'll find somewhere else to go. God, forgive us. I asked Mikey this morning if, if uh, he agreed with this statement. I, I don't, you may or may not agree with this statement, but I just happen to be, believe it. You will never be satisfied in a church where you consume more than you contribute. Now, there's a problem there if this is the only place you consume. That's not how this is supposed to work. Let me tell you what new life looks like. 
New life looks like you go home and you feed yourself. You open your Bible. You have a prayer life. You have a relationship with the Lord. You have a, a communication with, with the Holy Spirit. And you get full as a tick on your own. And you come here and serve. That's how the church is supposed to work, y'all. <laughs> you're never going to experience new life until you're willing to lay down the old one. Jesus said it like this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, if you're covered in the blood of the Lamb and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, this is a hospital and your medical staff. All right. But let, let, me, let me just give you a couple of practical things before we move on. Um, I, I want to make sure that you live a balanced consumer and contributor life. Because if you become too inward focused, you become spiritually narcissistic. It's all about me. All right? If you become too outward focused and you're not, and you're not filling your own vessel, um, you'll be ill-equipped to contribute to anybody. You'll be dry and dead, spiritually speaking. And frankly, maybe physically speaking. Read Philippians chapter 2. Just, I'm not even going to tell you what it says. Go home and read Philippians chapter 2. All right. That, that whole deal was, uh, Paul was talking to us about spiritual gifts. If you read it on your own, Ephesians 4. So find those places where you're spiritually gifted and serve there. How do I find out? Go to growth track. Come on, somebody. <laughs> All right. Last. Here we go. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24. Here's what it says. Actually, I'm going to start reading at verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus, aren't you glad you heard about Jesus? Yes. And have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Write this down if you're taking notes. Putting on new life is a daily decision. Aren't you glad that Scripture teaches us that God makes His mercies new every day? L listen to me. I, I, I know that that some of you have been following the Lord a long time. But putting on this new man, putting on this new set of clothes and, and throwing off the old, is something I need to do and you need to do every day. Did, did you hear what he said? He said, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Maybe, maybe here's a question we ought to ask ourselves when we're having those moral crises. And you guys know what I'm talking about. This, that thing that feels really good to our flesh, but we're not really sure that that's, that's the path we're supposed to go down. And you feel that little tug at your heart. That little tug at, the, at your heart is conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to keep you alive. Come on, somebody. So, so here's the question we ought to ask ourselves. Is this behavior, 
Is this attitude, is this conversation that I'm in consistent with what I've heard about Jesus? If it's not, stay away. He said, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And he, th- There's this beautiful picture all through the New Testament where, he's, where, where Paul talks about putting on new clothes. Now, all right, I'm, I'm going to talk to the husbands for a minute. I, I probably need to be careful because I'm going to go down a bad path. <clears throat> um, there were times when I was a younger man. She doesn't have to do this anymore because I'm very good about not leaving my clothes laying around everywhere. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but I'm much better than I used to be. Okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but but that's, that's, the, that's the mental picture. Throw them off. Get rid of that old way of life. If anything, if when you feel that that old man trying to creep back in, you throw you <laughs> help me, Jesus. You throw them old socks away, right? You throw that old shirt away because that's not who you are anymore. You're on a different team. That's an old uniform. You're on a different team. Throw it off. Instead, he said, listen, he said, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It all look at everybody again right here. It all starts right here. Right here. Because your thought will become an attitude. Your attitude will become a belief and your belief will become an action. Don't tell me what you believe. Live what you believe. There's a big difference. Walk in what you believe. Put on your new nature. Throw the old one away. I, I'm going to... Donnie, you can come and you can play. <clears throat> um, I, I've shared this quote with you before, but I thought it was quite appropriate this morning. So I wanted you to leave... I, want, I wanted to leave you with this quote. It's a man by the name of Brendan Manning author. He wrote a, one of the, a very powerful book about the Christian life called The Ragamuffin Gospel. He made this statement. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny Him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Mm. Is that convicting? Is that convicting? I wonder if the reverse is true. Could it be that the single greatest catalyst for revival would be Christians who have heard about Jesus, have thrown off their old way of life, put on a new nature, and are living like Jesus. This morning, I, I, looked, I looked out across this altar that was, it, it was one of the, you know, sometimes this perspective is just beautiful. And I, it's just beautiful. And that's the way it was this morning. 
And I was like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. And you know what he, you know what he, he, he put in my heart? He said, Dwayne, you've been talking about my word all year long. You've spent the last seven weeks on Wednesday nights talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We had the most incredible prayer service we've ever had last Sunday evening. That's what happens. It smells like revival to me. Anybody want any of that? Yes. Then, then guess what we got to do? We got to be Jesus. We can't, we can't be Jesus until we throw off that old life and put on the new nature and, and be who he's called us to be and serve like he's called us to serve and love like he's called us to love and be generous like he's called us to be generous. And if there's junk in our life that doesn't belong, we need to get rid of it. We made it so complicated. I, well, I just can't stop saying that because that's a lie. You won't. There's a big difference. So here's, here's how I'm going to pray for us in, in, in this closing prayer. God, make us brand new. You're like, Dwayne, I've been a Christian 50 years. I don't. On today, make us brand new. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, I need to be brand new. I need to put this on every day of my life. And I want my life to stop looking like Dwayne, to stop looking like my name on the back of the jersey and start looking like the logo. And the logo, by the way, is an old rugged cross on Calvary's Hill. And that's the only thing that matters. And if we can start looking like him, <laughs> you won't have to beg your friends to come to church. Can I just tell you what's on my heart, y'all? I got three minutes. Hallelujah. If we put this into action and we get up day after day, God, how can, I, how can I contribute? Thank you that you have poured your love into me as I'm feeding myself day after day. How can I now contribute to further the cause of Christ? How can I lift somebody up? How can I build somebody instead of tearing them down? How can I serve my church? How can I serve my community? How can I help somebody that's struggling? If, if we start living like Jesus lived, I promise you this building will not hold the people that will show up. I believe that with all my heart, y'all. If I didn't, I'd quit. But I believe your family and your friends and this community needs a group of people who are going to just check their own egos at the door and just fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with other people and do all we can to look like him to a lost and dying world. That's what this whole sermon has been about, y'all. So that's how I'm going to pray. And, and I, want you to, I want you to receive this, y'all. So I want you to bow your heads. And, and maybe if, if you feel comfortable enough, and, and maybe if you feel a little uncomfortable, I want you to stretch your hands, hands toward heaven just as a, a recognition that, God, I, I need this. I need you to make me brand new day after day. Come on, stretch your hands toward heaven. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you for the lives that were changed and the, and the beautiful way you ministered it and, and broke chains around this altar today. And God, I believe and I'm confident 
that you did an incredible work around this altar today. And for that, we just give you glory and honor and thank you. But today as a group, as a church, as, as a group of people, we declare that uh, we're tired of looking like us. And we're not playing for the name that's on the back of our jersey. Not doing that anymore. You're our captain. We're on your team. We're going to serve you. We're going to commit our lives to filling our, ourselves with the beautiful Word of God day after day after day. We're going to spend time day after day after day in, in relationship with you through prayer and worship. And God, you're going to equip us to serve this world with the love gospel of Christ. Come on, just in your own way, would you just begin to thank Christ for all that he's done in your life? Aren't you glad you heard about Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for, for changing my life. Thank you for invading my season. that'd be a great way for us to end this service. Stand to your feet. My chains are gone. Come on. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a just once more. Lift your voice to the Lord. My chains. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns unending Come on, if you're thankful for the amazing grace of God, I want you to offer him an ovation of praise. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, let me know if you're going to want a book so we can get those ordered. God bless. Have a great afternoon.